Welcome to the Oliver Manolis Show, where we explore the possibility of living a life of meaning, doing purpose-driven work, and where who you are makes a difference. I'm your host, Oliver Manolis, and I'm honored to have you join us. On the show today, we welcome my friend Iris Salihagic. She is a registered orthomolecular health practitioner and certified nutritional practitioner who is based out of Vancouver, B.C., Iris is somebody who used to take my yoga classes when she was still living here in the Oakville and Mississauga area. But if you simply follow her Instagram at iris.paradise, I think you'd agree she should be the one who's teaching me yoga. She's got some crazy videos of her doing partner and acro yoga where she's literally flying in the air upside down doing the splits. It's crazy. It's amazing. You definitely got to go see it for yourself. I'm really excited to share with you our episode today. Iris opens up about her experiences with bodybuilding competitions. And she talks about the realization that when she was completely ripped, like completely shredded, she was barely able to do a simple yoga pose and the impact that had on her approach to health and fitness. She talks about her story about moving to Canada on a whim and, and barely speaking English. She shares about the challenges that she sees women facing, uh, the clients that she works with, and much, much more. My friends, it is with pleasure I present to you my conversation with Iris. You're listening to The Oliver Manolis Show. I am your host, Oliver Manolis, and I have the pleasure of Iris Salihagic being on the show with us today, who is hailing all the way... From Vancouver, Vancouver, British Columbia. You're here for the week. Yes, ten days actually. But you're back, back. You're technically back home, like visiting friends, visiting yeah. family. So I've been here, landed on Wednesday, and I'm heading back tomorrow morning. That's such a quick trip. It is, but it isn't, because it is ten days. But and also, I only moved to Vancouver, I think, six or seven months ago. So like trying to settle in is still taking a bit. But it's okay. Like being here 10 days, I can feel like I'm seeing all my friends. But I'm like, oh, I feel like I saw more people. But it's okay. <laughs> so you so you just moved to Vancouver. You've been there for like six months. Like, And you're... Is this the first time you're, you're coming back to visit? Or did yeah. you visit for like Christmas or anything? No. You didn't. Okay, so no. you just... Uh, this is your first visit back after having moved. Is there anything that you notice that's like different about how we live here versus how they live how you guys live out west um i would say especially because the lifestyle there is very like chill and everything so coming from toronto we all have like this hustle like every day seven days a week we have to work 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 whereas there it's like oh we open everything at kind of at 10 11 maybe <laughs> everything closes really early so it's kind of like you have your work time but there's more like community, leisure time. It's like, let's connect. It's very spiritual. Like there, a lot of people are on the spiritual side. They talk about ayahuascas or about doing um, Vipassana, stuff like that. And you didn't really hear much of that here. Mm. There's not to say it's a cult, but it's like, it's really cool that very, people are very open. And here it's like, we have a lot of yogis. The practice is amazing. So it's like very diverse. It's very interesting to see that spiritual side on a different level. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And so it, would you say like it's um, less prominent when you're back here in Mississauga and the GTA? Is it like less noticeable in a way or is it? Mm -hmm. It's not less noticeable. It's just like 
like in terms of the pe- I mean the, the the people who are more spiritual and and health oriented and open minded in that in that way. It's noticeable, but it's not a kind of a lifestyle. Mm. Like there's a lot of yogis and stuff here, but it's like they're they're to the extreme. It's like oh, so what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to be in the bush for four days. So like, bye. Whereas here it's like... <laughs> People will be like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's like, how do you take that off? <laughs> like, is there something? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the difference, I would say. Yeah, it's nice. Do you feel like at home there? Do you feel... Um, the second I got there, because I took the road trip, it wasn't like I was set in stone to Vancouver. It was like, okay, let's get in the car. Let's go to LA. Well, that was like end point. Mm-hmm. But if I fall in love, I'll stay there. And then, like, on the trip, my ex-partner mm-hmm. is like, oh, Kelowna, Kelowna. And I'm like, uh, it's a little too small for me. And I'm like, ah, oh, no. So we ended up continuing. And then I fell in love with Vancouver mm-hmm. and just stayed since. And I know that um, <clears throat> you weren't even supposed to end up there. Like, you were supposed to continue to California, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like plans changed because nothing was set in stone literally everything we had here we just gave everything kind of away and we just kept whatever fit in the car is what we had and that's it like even the back seats we made still space so we can like put the car seat back so on the way when we're driving we can like fall asleep and still kind of do things and we're like oh we don't have a tent but we're gonna go camping what are we gonna do we're like okay canadian tire or mech or whatever was there on the road we're like okay we just like went with the flow and stayed wherever and like nothing was booked nothing was planned it was just like meh <laughs> i think it's really cool like as some like mm-hmm. i um i was born here and yet i feel like i don't know even ontario like ontario is already so huge yeah. um it's like a tw- isn't it not a 24-hour drive just to get to the border oh with manitoba right um so it's huge but even just canada itself like it's just so vast it's so big like i, I haven't even explored it you've seen more of it <laughs> um within just that trip well Ontario's huge you know how we say we have the most amount of lakes when we go like to a saga and everything yeah we've seen nothing so when, once we started traveling to vancouver it was literally like one lake after another after like a, a little mountain after a lake a lake like it's so many lakes i'm just like oh we actually do have lakes that none of us have ever seen because there's nothing around. You can't get a hotel. You can't get a motel. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. You, I, don't, I didn't you, even have a You're reception. passing by it, essentially. You're not really... <laughs> wow. Is it... Is it yeah. um, I hear it's really miserable to drive through the par- prairies. Like, you're driving straight and you're, you can just see miles and miles and miles and it's one of the hardest things to do did you did you experience that was it, was I it like did that in my sleep you what <laughs> i slept you it, missed it it. <laughs> it got really boring at one point because it was literally just flat and everything was just like orange like not orange but like straw yeah so yeah. like everywhere you're like turning around you're just like what am i gonna do here and you just fall asleep <laughs> oh. I, was, I wasn't the best person to travel with at that point and we lost our license plate on the way too so, like, what? the car next to us started honking. I'm just like, well, hi. And they're like, no, no, no. So we opened the thing. And he's like, your license plate is missing. So we had to <laughs> oh stop, God. take the front license plate, put it to the back, and to this day, I don't have a sticker on the back. Oh, wow. <laughs> hope no authority figures are listening to this. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, it was so, fun. So we met at Lifetime. You come and you at- you attend. You've attended, like, a bunch of my yoga classes. Mm-hmm. And you just like you you totally like light up light up the room. You're super powerful. Um, and and I, I don't I didn't really know too much about you 
um, like when we first met in that in that context. And it's only now that I'm kind of getting an understanding about like who you are, where you come from, like what what it is that you're here to accomplish and what what message you're here to spread. But uh, just for context, I would love for uh, the people who are listening to know a little bit about who you are, because you have a very, very diverse set of interests and and background and how you serve people. Um, So can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So I went, it all started when I went to like law enforcement school. We had self-defense courses and I felt super weak. And I'm like, oh, this is, so I got like into bodybuilding, not bodybuilding, but like weight training met my ex-partner he showed me like how to use weights what to do and then from there I ended up like competing and from competing I noticed that like a lot of my friends and I, like not friends but people that I met along the way had a lot of eating disorders so I kind of mm. steered into more like the nutrition aspect and what you had to do to actually sustain mental health nutrition everything to keep your body normal just because a lot of people would eat and then as soon as the competition was over they'd gain like 20 30 pounds and be like oh my god what did i do and then they'd start binge purge go through this whole roller coaster and like never you were never satisfied that was just like the field i got in and then from there went back to school for nutrition learned everything like a lot of the things that i do know now and then ended up getting my certification and like i'm an orthomedical health practitioner now can you explain what that what that means because you said that really fast (laughs) (laughs) so basically you help people um on a molecular level to heal whatever disease or health issue or anything that they have Mm. so whatever that is is that's like diabetes or hyperglycemia if that's an eating disorder a lot of disorders do come back to mental health and then from there you just work on either nutrition the spiritual world like aspect or more sleep depending where it's coming from mm-hmm. and so how long what's how long has this journey been for you oh this all started i'd say 2011 when i came to canada okay i'm like i'm gonna come do my school go back to germany work for the embassy and then it's just like 2013 boom did self-defense and i'm like yep nope and then i went into the health field so like you originally wanted to be a cop Actually, border services. Oh, border services. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, all right. So, border services. What what motivated you to do that? Um, it was just something I always talked with my dad. It was very interesting to me to see what people do when they're, like, traveling over the world. Why would mm. they want to import drugs? Why would they want to... Like, one of the stories that I heard was, like, they had puppies, and then they cut the puppy's belly open and would put cocaine in there, stitch them up, bring them over the border, you would never know because they're heavy, right? Like shepherds. And then once they were over the border, nobody would question. And just like every, like the mind games and everything like that, like it was very interesting to me, but it was also mm. sad. And once I got more into like the mental health aspect of it, I'm like, this is actually not something a normal person would do. If like their chemistry was stabilized and everything like that, they would have never had that thought. So it's like tapping into those little things is what intrigues me and like i'm very interested and i look in mm-hmm. yeah so then so <laughs> then you made the shift mm-hmm. you made the shift more towards okay how do we help people in a completely different way because yeah. there's obviously there's a problem yeah like there's an issue and there's some root causes and what have you been finding over the last couple of years so like with your clients and even with your own with your own journey 
Um, I find a lot of my clients or even just friends in general, like I have a lot of law enforcement friends, obviously because of the field that I was in. And it all came down to like, how are your relationships with your family, your friends? What are you eating throughout the day? How much are you sleeping? Especially law enforcement is very well known that they have to go on hormonal replacement therapy just because their test levels drop so low because of like their rotational work. So if you're working 12 hours at night, two weeks later, you're working 12 hours during the day and it just goes on up and down mm-hmm. and your skating rhythm can never adjust. So like your hormones are all over the place. Depression is a big thing. Yeah. PTSD. So once you have your sleep, your nutrition, everything in order, you find that their depression usually alleviates and it's a lot easier to, for them to cope with what's going on at work. Mm-hmm. What, like do, yeah. So when people are working with you and you're talking about, okay, what's your relationship with your family like? And you're kind of going in that direction or people are like, that's not what I hired you for. Like this is like I'm trying to lose weight <laughs> or I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get muscle. I'm trying to whatever. Do people question that aspect Um, do they resist it in any way or it depends it depends (laughs) um usually i find males uh males are very open after the second session ish Mm. it's just like the first time they're like why am we talking about this but then also i'm listen more like now i'm talking the whole time but when you're just listening and actually caring you find that they open up because not a lot of people have somebody they can talk to and then like you're not really a family member so they don't feel as judged so you're like okay we can talk about this and then once it leaves the room it's not talked about unless you would like to so it's like that trust is built and then you leave it wherever it's due to talk about Mm -hmm. so you have so you're talking to all these different people like in your practice and they're opening up like you're holding the space for Mm -hmm. them so that they can open up what are some of the biggest things that people are wrestling with that are not necessarily being talked about, that aren't necessarily things that they would share with their friends or family, but they're willing to share with you? Because I, I know that, um, like, for instance, in my coaching practice, people just, they share everything, yes. <laughs> things that they wouldn't tell anybody in the world. But what, it's, what it is revealing to me is just, it doesn't matter how much, you know, how someone looks on the outside, there is so much happening behind the scenes um, and there's so much adversity that they have gone through, so much trauma that they have gone through that have built, helped build who they are today. And um, I think that us having this conversation, putting a light on it, it just generates a sense of just appreciation for each other's journey, like that everyone has struggles that, yeah. you know, there's even though we might be different people there's ways that we all parallel there's ways that we are all um going through some similar challenges but maybe in our own unique way so that's why i'm interested in you're uniquely in a position where people are letting you see them um yeah that's a tough one just because like everyone's so diverse so i guess i can go to extreme and the light ones if you see it light some like about rape that has never been talked about so they do open up about that but that like i can't say names or anything obviously they've never spoken to anybody and then they'll talk about it they just want to go through it and they don't want to talk to anybody about it because if they do then it has to go through the justice system once it goes through the justice system the jury has to hear about it they're just like i don't want to talk to 70 people about it having that one person to connect to that's enough 
just to be able to talk. And then we have like family issues. Some people stay in their marriage because of their kids and they're just like, I'm not happy. I'm with my partner, but like there's nothing. I have my kids because like I'm obviously with this person, but you can just tell that the persona is there, but there's nothing besides them putting up that picture just for the family. I'd say those are like two extremes, but completely different. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm. and they're coming, and they're they're coming to you with this. And that's yeah. It usually starts with like, hey, I want to lose a couple pounds, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure, let's talk about it. And then you like, oh, just talk, and then you go for a coffee. You have training sessions, and then you see certain things that if you like touch certain parts, and they're like, like scared by it. Then you just chat about it. You we like go completely off of like training. You just chat, and then you go back to training, and then eventually they open up and they're you're with them all the time. You mm-hmm. chat about their nutrition. You ask them what are you doing right now, or you see scars, and you ask very gently, and then obviously they open up mm-hmm. a little bit more. And well, I, I mean, it seems like they trust you, and I bet like that they're they're they just see you as somebody who's like. Um, just welcoming and open-minded and very warm and understanding and it's like it's isn't it such it's such a privilege that you're somebody that they're willing to to share some of these challenges with there it has its goods and its bads just because like i i found that for myself now i can't open up as freely to not a lot of people, but like I can't open up and explain everything that I go through because there's so many people attached to me that I don't want to share their story. But mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, there's something on your mind. I'm like, yeah, but it's okay. Like I go through it and I am okay with it. And it, like it doesn't nag on me, but it's like it's nice to know that I can be there for somebody and knowing that now they, they're at a better place and they feel lighter because they have me and then like some people don't understand why i can't open fully just because i have that within me mm-hmm. does that make sense is it like you're kind of you're taking some of their stuff on like you're you can like you're holding you're holding it for them in a way i'm not holding it but i'm not sharing it you're not it's sharing. not my place to share yeah it's definitely yeah. not yeah i mean it's definitely not yeah. your place to share what people are specifically going through yeah. Um, and do you find that that, like the, the part you can't process it, is that a challenge? Is that what you're saying? Um, it's not a challenge. I find I am very privileged that I'm able to converse with them about what they're going through and like that they're actually opening up to me. Yeah. I feel very like grateful just because it's not something easy and it's been usually bottled up for like 10, 20 years and that they finally feel the need to share after so many years of having gone through that trauma, like I'm beyond grateful. Yeah. And what's the role that you play in those situations? Like as, the, as a professional, I would say I'm more of like an emotional coach. Like the weight doesn't even matter at that point anymore. Like yeah. sometimes they're like, Iris, can we just like not train and just go for a walk at the beach? I'm like, yep, sure. Meet you there. And then like, instead of doing like a training session or a nutrition consultation, we'll just go to the beach and chat. Mm-hmm. which is like you can see their mood and everything like just everything changes and a lot of people from carrying all that baggage on them they lose the weight because now they can finally sleep now they don't have to eat chocolates and sweets at night to put themselves to sleep and like 
that's a huge burden on them which carries over to like finally releasing it and i'm like so mm. happy to see them happier so um i can't remember maybe it's like 13 maybe 13 years ago i was at the highest weight i had ever been almost 200 pounds oh, wow. and so that's like 40 pounds you can't tell <laughs> 40 pounds heavier than yeah. i am right now wow. and um i've gone on I can't say that I've done it all, but I've definitely done a lot. And like I've read a lot of different books, different strategies, different diets, different workout programs. Um, there's a lot that I've attempted and there's been this cycle of like up and down and having trouble uh, letting weight go or, or keeping a consistent uh, movement practice or nutrition plan or whatever it is. Like there's so much. But, you know, if I look at that, the entire journey and you tell me if, this, if you notice that this is the case as well is that all of these systems and all these strategies, they don't necessarily address no. mental health, mental well-being. They don't address um, what, is, what is your self-worth and why is it... Like one of my coaches, uh, one of my mentors, he says, we give ourselves what we feel we deserve. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. I think there was a part of me that felt like I deserve to eat like crap. And so that's what I'm going to give myself. Right. And like maybe I can go work, work out hard for a couple of weeks, but I'm naturally just going to revert right back because my self-worth is so low that there's no way I can even tolerate that level of consistency, of movement, of nutrition, of accountability. Um, so I think that like that the, perhaps the whole industry doesn't necessarily look at or shine a light on enough. Um, what like the mental aspect of it, the emotional aspect of it. What are your what are your thoughts on that? I would say a lot of us are not allowed to know what self worth is. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to us because like if you look at a mom, look, she never takes her time off to relax. She does everything for her child, but once they reach eighteen, they're like, oh my god, now I can take time for myself. Where it's like, why couldn't you do that when you were younger? When you baby was one or two, be like, hey, partner, is it okay if you take my take our child mm. for an hour or two? I'm just going to go lay down or I'm going to go to the spa, anything like that. It's very seen down upon. They're like, oh, you're not putting enough time into them. Where it's actually, you're giving them more quality of time because now you've taken time to regenerate and you can give them so much more. But it's not a society that we live in nowadays, if you think about it in the big picture. Mm-hmm. And do you find that um, there's other practitioners, like colleagues that are finding the same thing as well? Like this is like that this is a challenge. This is an issue for self-worth. Yeah. Just even if you think of females in the competitive world, when we look when they look at themselves, I could say we like every time we see we're like, OK, we're 110. We're not lean enough. This is what they're going to look on stage. Our posing is not perfect, but it's like. Why do we really care what everyone else thinks instead of what we look? If we look at the scale, yes, we're very underweight. If we look at the mirror, it's like veins that shouldn't be there because we're females and we should have a little bit of weight there because we should be fertile, but that's not the way we see it. It's like, oh, what do they see? This is what we're going to do to make them happy. So it doesn't really matter about us anymore in the long run. Hmm. So what can we do? Like what 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 are some of the what are, what are your insights around this? For self-worth, I always think that mindful meditation is super important as well as what I learned when we were in school, we did a visualization board. And what is it that we want in a year to 5 years from now? We should, we were supposed to put it onto the board 
and work towards that. So every morning you wake up, you close your eyes and you visualize what you want for the day mm. and you set that up. So once you start your morning routine, there's so little that can happen in the space once you've set it up in your mind, even if whatever deters you, you already have those steps and they come to clarity because you've put that out there. So I think if you know in your heart what you want and you work towards it, there's nothing external that can deter you from there, maybe momentarily, but not a lot. What's on your vision board? <laughs> did you bring that with you on the, on the road trip? You did? Okay, what's on it? So I did my vision board in school, obviously. Um, that was last year. So one of them was moving to a country or city where we had the mountains, the water, working with people because I didn't work really with them at the time. And then like just making the world a better place, which a lot of them has come to flourish as we did the world trip. I'm living by the water next to the mountains. And I work at a school now as an alumni co-op coordinator where I get to connect with all the students in the holistic field that are eventually going to go into the corporate world or holistic or yoga, whatever that practice is. Mm. It's in the holistic world so it's nice to be their first support and be like hey this is what we can create together i reach out to companies i reach out to doctors we go to different seminars and we practice a lot so it's like nice to submerse myself and see that the world is so much bigger than what we believe it is and it's Mm. not just what we can see there's so many more senses that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you're like you aim for it you're living it yeah is it time to to make a new one Uh, for now my bigger picture is eventually in costa rica or a warm country to have a retreat where we can have all practitioners together from chiropractic to uh, physios to naturopaths everyone in one facility where you can bring your entire family if you find that you can't recover or anything like mm-hmm. that in North America or your, wherever you're living, that you can come to this place and then all of us can help you recover whatever disease you have and you bring the entire family. So everyone learns how to cook. They get adjusted by whatever doctors are there currently. We'll have massage therapists, yoga, chanting, everything. Like a healing center. Like yeah. A, yeah, I like that. It'll happen. Costa Rica is <laughs> such a beautiful, that's such a beautiful, I can imagine yeah. it. Either Costa Rica or Dominican, something like that. Maybe Thailand yeah nothing conclusive but the retreat will happen you also said mindfulness yeah like mindfulness is a huge component if you're like how do you think that impacts your self-worth i think it's huge like they even have a heart what's your definition of it Uh, first of all self-worth no mindfulness oh mindfulness is for me mindfulness is basically knowing what you want without somebody else telling you from within Mm. if that's like for instance mindful eating you're eating you're acknowledging the food the energy everything you're getting from that food instead of just watching tv chewing on something and you don't even know what it is yeah not even paying attention and just inhaling it Mm -hmm. i do that sometimes don't try any don't drive any that's very common in toronto I think they're, I mean, I, I think I just saw that they're, <laughs> they're considering finding people the same as being on the phone if you're eating and driving. Really? Yeah. It, it makes sense because you're not paying attention <laughs> to either. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. But yeah, no, absolutely. So, so being very present is what you're saying yeah. and kind of being like uh, involved and engaged in whatever it is 
that you're doing. Yeah. So how does that uh, impact developing our self-worth? How mindfulness? Yeah, how does mindfulness... I find as soon as you know how to be mindful with the small things, you acknowledge your self-worth. For instance, if I can acknowledge what I'm eating, instead of having a donut that doesn't nourish me, I would rather have a salad that I know is going to replenish my skin, my na- like my nails, my bones, whatever that is within the body. It will carry over to if I have a good friend or a bad friend. So if somebody's mean to me, I can acknowledge that energy that I'm getting and be like, hey, actually, this is not what I deserve. I want that friend that nourishes me, that can help me mentally be a better person and give more to the world than somebody that's going to be like, oh, you're not worth it. You shouldn't do this, that. Like, why? Why can't I do that? Just because Mm. you said it? I don't think so. I can think clearly to myself of what I can do in the future without you telling me otherwise. Yeah. Did you personally like have experiences of like not being mindful, uh, not ha- like having low self-worth or not having a vision for yourself, just kind of like being aimless. Did you, did you experience that? That's a rough one. <laughs> I would say yes, and that's why you came to Canada. Um, before I got here, all I did was party. And um, You're turning like red right yes. now. <laughs> why? I don't know. It's just like knowing where I am today and then there. It's just like Is it like you're a different person? Yeah. Okay, what what was that version of you like before? Yeah, the party, like what was it? Wild. How how do you con- wild? <laughs> all we did like if you in Europe, all the clubs are open till like 7 a.m. So we would literally meet 7 8 p.m., drink till like 4 a.m. and do it from like Wednesday to Sunday. That was our life. And we did it for a year. And then I'm like, I literally went up to my parents and was like... You did it for a year or years? Yes, a year. Just a year? Just a year. Like before we'd party, but it was only on weekends. But like for a year straight. Yeah. I went up to my dad and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm literally doing nothing with myself. Was there a breaking point? Like what, what led you to that? Like, I can't do this anymore. Was there something that happened where you're just like, oh, this is not, this is not good. Like, this is unhealthy or this is destructive or um, was there a moment? I just got bored. I'm like, I'm literally doing the same thing every day. Um, there's no meaning to it. So I went up to my dad and my mom and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. All I'm doing is drinking. He's like, so what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. So I went downtown with my mom. I looked at a flight agency. And where is this? This is in Germany. In Germany. In Germany. Yeah, I looked at a flight agency. I'm like, Mom, I want to fly. She's like, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. Let's go in. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Canada. She's like, okay. We booked it there two Why weeks Canada? later. I was here. My sister used to, like lived here at the time. And I'm oh, like, okay, okay. I'm just going to fly where my sister is. And then we didn't even live in the same place, nothing. I just got here and went right to school for ESL. So my English wasn't even good at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. So that was 2011, Twenty eleven, right? Yep. Wow. So you barely spoke English, but you just, you just on a whim, you just like, yeah, that's, Two weeks. A, that's your style. <laughs> eh? Cause like, wasn't the, you doing the road trip a little bit like that as well? Yeah. Just kind of like, okay, no, something got to change. got to change. I'm packing everything, uh, into the car. If it doesn't fit, I'm selling it or getting rid of it. And we're going across the country and yeah. see ya. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, it, so it was from boredom. Was the, was the boredom the first like painful? Time was boredom. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't pain. It was just like, I was tired of the unknown mm-hmm. and just like doing the same thing, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. I, d- I really didn't have a reason the first time. I'm just like, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. I just knew inside and I'm like, I want greater. And I came here. Wow. And so it was super easy once you got here, right? You learned like English like nothing, the culture like nothing. Like, what was that like? Oh, it was such a culture shock, especially when you wanted to order food. Yeah, I didn't understand a word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, reading it. Reading it was the easy part because you're learning English in school. Yeah. But once people talk, you're like, that's not English. Like, that's super totally. fast. and Yeah, and then like there's a lot of slangs slang. here because oh. ours is like British English. So it's like, completely different. And then here it's like... <laughs> so what were some what are some of the things that you faced what are some of the hurdles that you had to overcome being completely new here um okay so before like before yeah. we get into it because the reason why i'm so interested in exploring this because there's uh i i, I have this perspective um and an experience of people who come from immigrant families or immigrated themselves. And the experience that I have of them is just like an incredible resilience, like an incredible risk taking of like, I'm leaving everything I know behind and I'm going to this completely new country. I, f- I find that to be very courageous. Um, and I find that um, the, the work ethic just seems to be like, you can't replicate that when you're, when you never experienced some like yeah. something like that. I'd never experienced anything you're like that. Oakville? You know, I was born here, yeah. Like I was born in Toronto, um, and it, there's, I admire it. So I, I admire it, and I appreciate it, and I think it's such a like powerful thing to experience. Of like, oh wait, I can stand on my own two feet on on the other side of the planet. So the, like that's why I'm so fascinated with you know what kind of adversities did you face like being here? What did you learn? What did you notice about our culture? One, you need to travel more and leave <laughs> this place for a little. <laughs> like everyone. Yes. Yeah. So what you learn, especially now that I moved on my own for the first time, is um, you get to acknowledge what you actually want as a human. Whereas the first time I was 18, I really didn't know. I'm like, oh, daddy helped me with everything. Rent was covered. Everything was covered. So I was, I, I would say spoiled. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have to really work, work hard. It was just like, okay, I'm in a new place. I need to figure out my surroundings and what do I want to do from here? So the first time it wasn't as challenging, whereas this time when I actually moved to BC because I was on my own, it was different. Like my car got broken into and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? So like learning, who do you have to call? What do you have to do? If you do a rental agreement, what do I have to sign? Where do I go for finances? (laughs) Like what are all these things you need to do? And then it's like, on top of that, it's like, the food is very different. Where do I find work? How do I work? Do I say I'm self-employed? Do I go and work with others? This is so many questions that you ask yourself. And then the culture is very different, especially in Vancouver. People come and go all the time because it's like students, new people. It's a new development. So it's like, it's so many new things that you just have to learn on the fly. And you grow as a person so much and you adapt that like nothing seems like a challenge even when you're walking downtown because you're constantly constantly dealing with change yeah like even if you walk into a store it could be completely different like the whole culture you'll be like oh okay i need to act this way not act that way but like be more understanding for this culture and then you literally walk three streets down and it's just like say an asian culture you're like whoa this is cool (laughs) and it's just like it's very different wow so and um I feel like I lost it. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh well, yeah. So when it comes to 
um, dealing with like the j- just the culture shock of being here. What were the things that grounded you? Like, what are the things that kind of felt made you feel kind of like centered? Like, I know when I travel, one of the first things you know, one of the first things that I've done is, okay, where's something that I know? Like something to eat that I know or like something like I've gone to go practice yoga at a yoga studio or it's like, oh, okay, I feel like. And then the people in the yoga studio, I just know that because we already share this, we, we can speak the same language even if we don't speak the same language. Um, yeah. So like what was it for you that kind of helped ground you and, and familiarize yourself with being here? Um, I would say my morning routine. I'm very congruent with it. Um, journaling is a huge thing for me writing down everything I feel what I'm grateful for what I want and what I expect of the day that's like every morning the same thing and then yoga is huge mm. the same for you probably that's yeah. why you're a teacher <laughs> <laughs> knowing that you can travel throughout the world and everyone has like the same same sun salutations and stuff like that yeah. you go into a yoga room and then you end up making an hour what it's supposed to be you're like there for five because you end up conversing which is really nice and then food places <laughs> yeah like food yeah. places are the go-to that's the way to do it yeah that's how i am too <laughs> you go to a food place and they all talk to you and you're like oh okay i can be here especially when you're traveling by yourself i find people are very open because you're not two people so it's not as like oh we're mm. overpowering yes you're alone and you're like oh what am i doing here can you give me advice and as soon as you ask questions people are more open where i find if you're more of a preacher they mm-hmm. like shy away so yeah yeah, I totally agree with that. As soon as you're in a, you're you're alone in another place in another side of the planet, it's like you're just you're just you. Yeah. Right? You don't bring home <laughs> with you in a way. Like you don't bring somebody that you can you have something to share and they know who you've been um and they have like this uh, an idea of who you are, but when you're completely by yourself, the people that you meet have no preconceived notion about yeah. who you are. So it's just like this complete open honest genuine type of interaction in my experience yeah (laughs) so when we talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago you talked about something that i wasn't super aware of um and i didn't know that it was as prevalent as like as you say or based on your experience but like eating disorders Mm -hmm. and this binge purging Um, can you explain what that is for us and why why is it important to you for me, it's important, this goes into my history more so, is I lived with a person that had an eating disorder. Um, I didn't know for the first, I would say, two years. And the only reason I found out, or more so how I found out, is I heard it in the bathroom. Um, my ex-partner perched. And at nighttime, eventually he told me, I'm like, oh, I hear you. Like, are you sick? Anything like that? No, no, no. Everything's fine. And... Um, we talked about it eventually because you can't hide something like that when you're living together. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to help you. But that wasn't my place, which I know now. And I didn't back then. Mm-hmm. So I would lock the bedroom door, hide the key under the mattress. He would grab it at nighttime, open the door, go eat, binge purge. Or I'd leave the door open, but like make sure that I bought no groceries so there was no food in the house. You grab the keys, drive to the nearest whatever food store it is eat and then come back binge purge and or like even have like eating at night and then in the morning i'd be blamed for it 
so it was just like a whole thing like we were supposed to compete for the first time together and then he didn't end up following through the last two weeks because the coach said he still needed a bit of time and then I was put on the spot just because I did end up competing obviously when you put in 12 weeks you're like I worked really hard I already bought my suit I already bought the shoes the hair like everything for that event Mm -hmm. so that also like there's a lot of like you shouldn't be doing it because I'm not doing it and then you're just sitting there and you don't know what to do so going for that competition knowing that I was there he wasn't there he came for like the last three seconds of me being on stage where I was there the whole day so you get sprayed in the morning you just have to lay come six hours later get sprayed again something like no you just get sprayed at night time you come home get sprayed in the morning and then you stay there you're basically tans, all day right? yeah like spray tan yeah yeah sorry (laughs) and then you're there the whole day so the men go first obviously because they're like more depleted than we are and then in the back you just see people crying or just eating plain like uh, rice cakes no water for most people from 24 to 48 hours dehydrated yeah you you can have pedialyte that's like literally two sips of pedialyte just to have some electrolytes they call it and uh, it was an interesting experience but like being there and people have seen your face so now when you're at the gym they're like oh my god you competed there um how was your competition and you're like oh this is what i went through obviously you don't talk about your partner's experience because it's your first year you don't know what you're doing you're very confused you're Mm -hmm. like oh maybe i'm the only one going through it and then they open up they tell you about like their thyroid issues because they've done competitions they tell you about their eating disorder and then it's just a whole different world. And like the drugs that get involved, like females' clit- clitorises grow into things that shouldn't be there. It's just a different world. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, what <laughs> do you think? Yeah, no, like I'm kind of blown away yeah. a little bit. Um, like the whole eating disorder thing is something that happens behind the scenes. Yeah. Like we don't really see it. Um, I don't really understand or know like what leads somebody in, into a path where they are binge purging, right? So binging is like they just eat their faces off. Mm-hmm. Um, is that to just to feel like they're, they're, they get that pleasure maybe? Or I don't know. And then they, and then they puke it out, right? So is that the, what happens? Uh, the binge part happens because you're obviously depleted of a lot of vitamins and minerals from your body. So okay. your body's craving food. But because now you're eating it all, you're sat- your body's being satisfied, but because you're purging it out, now you have no nutrition that it can accumulate again. So now you're going to be hungry just because your body needs those minerals to replenish if that's like broken down tissue because you're training seven days a week mostly. Yeah. A lot of females and males, you are doing cardio 45 minutes in the morning, training at nighttime. And doing legs three times a week, like that's a lot of working out. And on top of that, you're eating basically nothing, like a thousand calories, maybe fourteen hundred for most people when they just start. So you're depleted in every single way until now on top of that, because you don't feel confident in the mirror and your coach tells you you need to wait another week or two, you just start eating and then purging it out, thinking that you're you're accelerating the process of of losing the weight or burning the fat or whatever yeah and it makes it worse because now because you have no nutrients you're deteriorating your muscle tissue as well and you're keeping on so much fat because you're so stressed and it's accumulating so you're getting the reverse effects and it's just a cycle at that point then how does how does someone get to this point 
to get to the point of binging and purging. Yeah. Um, it depends on the person. It's very emotional. From your, from your experience. Like from, from my experience, most females are from high school because they're told they're fat. And then they start purging mostly or eating cotton. A lot of them eat cotton or only drink water all day with a little bit of salt. Yeah, and then they get skinny, right? And now that you're skinny, you've changed. You're like, oh my God, you look so good. But then... And they get all these compliments and it... Yeah. And then once like you start... reinforce it? Yep. So once you start eating, you're like, you're losing the compliments because you put on a little bit of weight and then it's like, okay, I have to go back there and it gets worse and worse and worse each time because you want to get skinnier and you're never skinny enough. That is so awful. Yeah. And that's the society we live in though. Mm -hmm. Because that's encouraged. The skinnier are, the better it looks. Or now it's more the masculine you are, but what they don't realize is that a lot of the females that are more masculine... Not to say everybody, but a lot of them are on hormones because it's hard for us to put on that much muscle. Mm-hmm. So what are the what are the ways to intervene in these scenarios? It's a lot of culture. Like so if you have a lot of family support and a lot of support from your friends, you can get out of it. It's what just if you make, don't know. You eventually do because your body do. breaks down. Your body can only take so much. What are the signs? Of bulimia? Yeah, like, a, I mean, signs for us, if we were to see, like, a loved one going <clears> through <throat> this or someone that we care about going through this, but they don't speak up about it. They're very good at hiding it. A lot of the people you will never know um, a, until they're not like open. Invisible, yeah. You should never probe just because then they'll go on a defense. Yeah. See, I feel like it's so, I feel so powerless. It's their story, and if they're not ready to share, you shouldn't be, like, intervening. Just yeah. because if you do, so there is no, they push back. Yeah, so you can't go and try to help somebody unless they're, yeah. they've hit a point. Like, and that means things have to get really bad. Sometimes they do. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of females realize that because their body fat is so low, their menstruation has been there for years, and they try to get pregnant, they realize that it's actually your fertility that has been going away because of what you've been doing to yourself. Yeah. Can you share more about the what are the consequences and secondary consequences of of this that uh, that people go through? So for males, a lot Just of Just for time, perspective, because it's so like... No problem. Yeah. Um, so what I've gone through is that like a lot of uh, males cannot get their libido back up. So they will, but it might be very short term. So if you're like having intercourse, you'll only have intercourse for two, three minutes. And then they either come or they can't last anymore just because their testicles grow so small because of the amount of tests they've already put into their body. They can't produce it themselves. Um, so that's for the guys as well as like them sometimes losing interest in females or just always wanting to see a different mate because their hormones are out of balance. For the females, obviously losing their menstruation. And if it comes back, very, very painful some of the times because they don't go back on it, prop- like reintroduce foods properly. So the prostaglandins are super inflamed. And um, sometimes you can't get fertile unless you're working really, really hard to get your hormones back in balance, as well as like getting your menstruation back. And a lot of the girls aren't even interested in guys anymore just because their pheromones are off and just a lot of stuff like that. Why do we do this to ourselves? Looks. 
just like we purchase clothes. Like just for the exterior, mm -hmm. just for how, just to look good, is like the the biggest driver, the biggest motivation that you see. Yeah. That <clears> people <throat> go and mess around with their hormones. Because you're never accepted if you're average, right? Everyone has to have the best, be the best. If you're not the best, then you're not in. I feel like there's certain areas or certain worlds where that is probably a lot more prominent, right? Like, obviously, yeah. you know, if you're in bodybuilding competitions, if you're in the fitness industry, if you're, like, being showcased on a stage, on a platform, <laughs> um, wouldn't that be, like the demand is a little bit higher of course. than just like a, <laughs> if, if your day-to-day -day life has nothing to do with that, maybe it's like an hour a day at the gym. Um, but besides that, you don't have like, like you're, you're not, you're not uh, in physical competitions and things like that. Maybe there, I think in general, every, there's, there is the societal pressure of, you know, looking good and being leaner and being thinner and all this stuff. Um, but like, would you say that it's more, kind of in that world as well like it's just more highlighted or something or it's more elevated um i wouldn't say it's just in a bodybuilding world even if you look at ballet you have to be yeah. a certain way if and you're, you're looking not, in the mirror all the time yes. and you're probably constantly yeah like yeah. if you're a dancer or as soon as you're an athlete it just comes down to your presence and if you want to become an athlete or sponsored in any way in that realm, you have to look a certain way. And if you don't, it's hard for you to get sponsors mm -hmm. or even get paid for a certain thing unless it's like you having seminars based on certain intellect. That's completely different mm -hmm. because they don't look at your exterior most of the time. But no. if it comes down to like, hey, how do you perform? Yeah, performers. If you're not like wearing if you're the Jordans on stage, and if you're Nikes, the, yeah. you're really not in it, right? So it's like all about advertisement at the end. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's yeah, because that's one of the things that I notice. It like where you're coming from has a lot to do with okay, this is in the culture. Yeah. Um, I don't experience it in the same way as you do, right? Like maybe my perspective is a little bit different, but you experience it as okay. No, this is like it's embedded. Like mm -hmm. you gotta look good. It's a, it, it's about your exterior looks and and all this. And I feel like does it does Instagram play a role in this? Um, Instagram is a great way of hiding everything just because you can use all the filters. You can, um, pretend like you are something that you aren't like, for instance, a lot of the times people will post their bowls or any nutritional stuff that they are taking all the supplements that they're taking, but they're not showing, Hey, I'm taking Anavar and I'm taking GH and I'm taking test or estrogen or progesterone creams because everything that I'm doing to myself is actually damaging me. Hey, the hair that I have is actually 50% extensions because I can't grow my hair because I screwed up my thyroid due to all the T3 that I've been taking or whatever that is during my competitions. So it could look to you that they're all normal and they're all just coming for yoga, but what's happening at home could be a complete different story and you would never tell because through all the stress and everything, they are overweight and they can't lose the weight. So they look average, but they're actually struggling even more than the athlete. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what from your, from your point of view, do you <clears throat> see that we can do to open up, I don't know, the, the, the conversation around this and maybe shift our perspective, like my, like just being with you and being yeah. and having our conversations, <laughs> my mind and my awareness is just like, it's completely different. Like the way I look at the world and 
Um, and the amount that I realize that I don't know about what might be behind the scenes, um, especially from this angle, it's just, it's pretty mind blowing. But like, what, what do you see for us as an opening for us to kind of make this more, um, I don't know, something that we can kind of talk about or, or just have some compassion around and, and maybe create ways that this can be, we can support, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Um, in my opinion, what has helped throughout the years is just letting people know that they aren't judged when you're having a conversation with them, as well as if I have two, three friends and we're talking about the same subject and we're talking about our struggles, a lot of people will come in and be like, hey, this is what I went through. And the community gets a little bigger and a little bigger, just like Bell Talks now. They yeah. talk a lot about mental disorders and eating disorders, which is nice. And if we had more people that can actually open up and be like, hey, I'm actually struggling can I have help or I don't even care about the help. I just want to listen about your journey because I could take something from there and implement it in my life. That would be more beneficial than just somebody going out and be like, you can't do this. This is how you should be fasting. This is what you should do. We can leave the preachers to the side. Just like help us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's listen to each other and share and just make a community where we feel welcomed and warm instead of, being aggressive about it and telling somebody what they should do when they know that it's a little bit harder than just switching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it seems to me that there's a huge disconnect between <clears throat> um, the need to look a certain way on the outside and all the things that we do to ourselves that can cost us dearly, like behind the scenes, like there, there's such a huge disconnect. And like, I don't think that like, that is not something that we are, really addressing i don't think i think we could address it more if we realize that a lot of aesthetical things doesn't apply to our skill set those abs that most of us have we can't do anything with it most of us have <laughs> oh, some <laughs> people oh, sorry <laughs> i'm talking about the competitive world i, I guess it. i love it <laughs> Man, I wish. Some... <laughs> I wish I, I wish I, I was a part of that. Most of us have abs. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of competitors have. I'm sorry. <laughs> like they're not functional. They're there, but you can't do anything. They don't do anything. No. So you could see like a 200 pound person doing like flips and aerials in the sky, but then you see a competitor and he can't even do a plank. And I was one of them. Yep. What do you mean? I couldn't hold a plank for more than 30 seconds at one point when I was competing and I was on my prime. So you were in your prime and you looked like perfectly showcased yeah. physical specimen. But then when it came to, okay, let me uh, just hold a plank. <laughs> like, so that's what you mean. Like not functional. <laughs> nope. Like, not functional at all. Let, let me go pick up this can of beans from the floor <laughs> and put in the bed and then put it into the shelf. I can't even, you can't even do that. Yeah. That's. Like ask a bodybuilder to lift his hands above his head. Just straight. Not, no. Oh my god. It's not a thing. So is that something <laughs> that like you woke up to? Like you're just like, yeah. whoa, I can't even, I actually look this way, but I can't, there's certain basic things that I can't do. Yep. What, what was that experience for you? Was there a moment for you? Like, um, I would say it was embarrassing. It happened with yoga because everyone's doing, I think it's like the flow where you're like in a pike-ish, but you're sitting. Yeah. And everyone can do it. And I'm like, oh, my friend's here like 180 pounds, nice and fluffy. And like, I'm here shredded. And he looks at me and he's like, come on. I'm like, I can't. I physically can't. Doing which pose? Uh, when you're like 
Stand, when you're upside sitting, down? No, you're sitting and you're like holding like this. Oh, boat pose. Boat pose. Like, oh, boat oh, pose. Yes, yeah, so I boat can do pose it. is like you're just on your ass and your feet are elevated and your arms are reaching forward and you're just, you're work, you're really working your core. And you said I you were shredded it. and you couldn't oh, do boat yeah. pose? Was that like a wake-up call? Uh, that was more than a wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> what did it feel? Like, what did it feel like? Oh, it was embarrassing. Like, you were asked at the end, you're like, what's wrong? Not what's wrong with you, but kind of what's wrong with you. Like, why can't you do this? It's so basic. And I'm just like, I just can't. I just can't. I know, like, um, for beginner uh, yogis who go into boat pose, there's a lot of shaking. Mm-hmm. Like, you're kind of up there in boat pose, but, like, your body's, like, vibrating. I didn't because even because it's have. so hard. <laughs> I couldn't even, even get that. up there. You couldn't even get up. <laughs> no. So what did what did you do to change that? Um, I like ended did, up. Did, did your mindset change? Did your interest change? Like your conversations? What happened? Um, I realized that I'm very dysfunctional. Um, I got more into yoga. What do you mean dysfunctional? In a sense that like I can't do things with my body that should be natural. Okay, so like holding my core. Physically. Yeah, like knowing that I can't contract my core and my core is so important for my spinal health. It's just like, oh, so what's going to happen if down the road I have kids, I'm pregnant and I can't even hold myself. So like realizing that is just like, okay, let's like leave the abs to the side and actually do something. What's going to be for longevity? Yeah. So that was kind of and hi. And so what did you do after? What did you, did you change your routines up? Did you take you know do different things in terms of like what you expose yourself to did you take different classes or so i ended up doing pilates with melanie from lifetime <laughs> did one or two sessions and realized that i'm super weak so i ended up <laughs> doing a lot of yoga with you guys and got stronger and i went from doing bodybuilding more into functional movement and yeah more kettlebells got more like more education on on it went there a lot um especially Aubrey Marcus, I listen to him daily. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about his like, psychedelic yeah, I love Aubrey experience. Podcast. Super open. Yeah. So it was just like opening up the horizon of what's actually out there for physical activity, and changing from bodybuilding to functional, and that was like a big changer mm-hmm. now. So for people who are like complete novice at uh, doing functional types of training, what are some great ways for us to to get started in that arena? For it depends your starting point and why um if you have any limitations if that's like shoulder mobility or hip mobility it really depends so Mm -hmm. if you the most functional movements are like overhead press deadlifts squats um Turkish get-ups whereas like if you can't even do the basics you just go down to like a lunge or a kneeling row it depends on your maturity of mm-hmm. exercises depends what level you're at mm-hmm. right now so you can't really say over mm-hmm. just having a conversation well what, what's the biggest thing that was uh the biggest thing that made a difference for you like out of all those things because you, you did a whole combination but was there um maybe like one or two things where you're just like oh wow this helped me achieve like a serious breakthrough in my in my movement and my functionality and my physical capabilities because i mean now you're doing like <laughs> forearm cartwheels one hand cartwheels you're dancing you're doing acro yoga like it's more it's beyond <laughs> just functional yeah there, there's there's like just uh complete freedom in physical expression 
right? I, yeah. So as soon as my core was stronger, I was able to do like acro yoga or even yoga to begin with. Whereas like before that wasn't a thing. So even core, core was huge. Core is the most important, I would say. And like being more flexible and mobile because now you can go through ranges of motion and know how that muscle actually feels and know how to activate it. Mm-hmm. So core is like 100%. What are some ways that we can build our core to work on our core to build our core like the strength deadlifts are a big one for me um just making sure that i'm lifting properly um and then a lot of planks i did a lot of planks and a lot of like choppers yeah holding them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. holding them and then like with choppers so you have like the cable on one side half kneeling and then you go down or up and pallet presses same thing it's just like right in front of you the cable but you're pressing out and then just like making sure that you're stable there's no rotation because as soon as you put rotation a lot of the times we are losing our lumbar spine which can lead to accidents which you don't want so that's why you try as much as anti-rotation as possible Mm -hmm. is that something you can do like once a week or twice a week or i would say activate your core each and every time you do work out just okay. because it is state like before is your stabilizer. before you work out mm-hmm. yeah or just in between like you're not yeah. supposed to exhaust it because then your workout you can't do your workout yeah yeah wow that's huge like that's <laughs> i think that's that's like a massive massive insight that yeah. that changed that got you from shredded and weak to like <laughs> strong in multiple ways and just complete total like freedom so looks like everything that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Yeah. So what are what would you say have been some of the the biggest um the biggest breakthroughs that you've had with your clients? Uh depends on what you're looking for. like. Yeah, like what what are the most like to you, <clears throat> what has been the most meaningful, I guess like transformations or breakthroughs that you've witnessed in your clients where you're just like, Oh wow, like I was able to participate in this person's journey in that way and this is where they are now. Like um like tell us about like where they were from you know where they were and then what what they got to afterwards i would say being able to leave a relationship without not consequence but knowing that you're ready to let go so i had a lot of female clients where they're like oh my god i have to stay in this relationship because if i'm not who's gonna love me and i'm like you don't Mm -hmm. need another person to love you if you can love yourself like any person that's in your life should be an addition like that's amazing but it shouldn't be your self-fulfillment shouldn't be because of somebody else it's like buying and keep buying something and now you're fulfilling your cup with all these exterior items where it's like i love me so when i buy something this is really cool so that was kind of a pivotal moment where some of my clients were able to leave their spouses and say hey we're actually dysfunctional together and i'm gonna leave this because i think you deserve somebody better and so do i and we can stay friends and then you see them in a new relationship and they actually thrive and you can tell like some of them leave a marriage and their kids are so much happier that they're in different households but now they're friends and it's just like so much healthier so i would say something like that was i really thrive on seeing relationships grow wow that's not what i would have thought (laughs) sorry you know like it's um i i I totally believe that when we when we focus on physical well-being, it has like a positive side effect 
to our mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, one of my old mentors used to say, conquer the body and the mind will follow or everything else will follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, my perspective is when you work on your body, when you feel mm-hmm. healthy, when you're fueling yourself with like really clean and healthy foods, like you just start getting the sense of, oh, like, it's like, yeah, I am worth more. Like, yeah, I have, like, I, I do deserve this. I deserve to, to, to feel good inside of my body, to feel alive. Um, and it almost makes, I mean, in my experience, it made me feel so much more powerful that if I have an emotional or a mental block or a spiritual challenge, um, I'm able to face it. It's like, you know, when people come to yoga, you're not just stretching and becoming more flexible and more balanced and more powerful physically you're also that's also happening mentally and emotionally you're more balanced you're more strong you're more present you're more powerful um but that's that's what it sounds like kind of yeah the you know the what happens with the people that you work with yeah it's like some people don't even believe that they can like i had a lady we were um starting with her and she's like i just had my third kid and i hate my body like i don't even want to go to bed with my spouse because i have like this floppy thing (sighs) and that's like you know that she literally wakes up in the morning and there's no point in a lot of times for them to like even take their clothes off because they don't want to see what's behind there. So we worked together oh, wow. for three months. She lost quite a bit of weight and she said that like her abs couldn't contract properly together. Obviously, after giving birth, a lot of times it does happen. So we did a lot of core work. We did a lot of that. And then literally in three months, she came to me one morning, super happy. She's like, oh my God, I boarded and I did my flip for the first time. I'm like, What? And she's like, I could have never done this, but I learned to use my core and I flipped. And I'm like, that's crazy. She, she's like, yeah, I haven't. Well, like a backflip or like, what do you mean? Flip? Yeah, like a flip. What? Yeah. So she's bored. Three months later? Yeah. Just because like she's always been fast on the board, but she's always done like side stuff. But like to like be able to do different things in the air, you need to know how to control your body. And we did a lot of like pikes, upside down stuff, handstands during our sessions. And within three months, I saw her three times a week. So that that's a big, also, yeah, yeah, that's a big chunk of her life. Totally. And then I gave her homework for two of the days. She did yoga, power yoga. So five days a week, she was fully committed. And in the morning, she'd foam roll, do push push ups, lunges and squats. That was like her homework, 100 a day. That's something I sent her home with. And yeah, within three months, she was a complete different person. Obviously, it also helps that you're carrying a child the whole day. <laughs> yeah, it's extra work, right? Yeah. Like extra calories. And- so yeah, it's it's not just, hey, I'm just training the person. There's so much more that goes in. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so important. Yeah. Right? Like Because you're seeing them not just as, oh, can this person do this much weight now and lose or step on the scale and this is how much weight they've lost. It's more than that. It's more like, it's like, wow, like, look how much more capable and confident yeah. they become afterwards. Like, confident and courageous enough to leave a relationship that's not serving them. You mm. know, confident and courageous enough that they're, you know, they're, they're going to see you that often, even though they're so uncomfortable with themselves. They're, like, investing in themselves, like, and they can do backflips. Like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you can even tell the first session when you're, like, training a person, they're, like, looking everywhere, who's looking at me. And then 
a couple weeks down the road they're just like i got this i know they're the gym. The, they're yeah, like the confidence yeah. is there and you're just like having a really good time and you don't care what's around you you're just comfortable it's like a home to you at this point mm-hmm. because you know how much how beneficial it is to you mm-hmm. so that's really a part nice. of doing like physical uh type of practices mm-hmm. um the, the the value that it's in it for me is like the pr- progress is right there like mm-hmm. it's so quick it's so immediate you can feel yourself oh i'm getting better yeah like you know me and janice are doing dancing lessons and we the did salsa? A, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah we did some waltzing <laughs> and salsa and rumba and tango um just basics right because we're yeah. just beginning so we're just getting like some little basics but i could feel like oh wow we're progressing like within a few minutes we're like oh we got this and there's like <laughs> this sense of um i just i just feel reassured and it's yeah. like oh just like looking like a risking looking like a fool um for a few minutes like leads to oh we there's something that's new that we were actually able to do uh together i find that to be so like so powerful so invigorating yeah so what got you in yoga what got me into yoga um you're gonna ask me questions now right uh so i i think i did hot yoga like a long long time ago but it didn't really have the appeal and then um one of the most one of the most impactful programs that I did was P90X, believe it or not. So I literally, it's, it's so difficult, <laughs> but um, that was the one that for some reason I was able to be consistent and felt accountable and I felt like I was progressing and I was getting better and better. And every week uh, there's a 90 minute yoga video and I freaking despised it. I hated <laughs> that shit. It was so difficult. Um, and every week I would resist it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I got this. <laughs> Especially because not only is it hard, it's long. So you're doing it, this thing that's difficult, but for a long time, like every other workout video is like an hour, but now this one on the fourth day of the week or whatever is 90 minutes. And then eventually I was just like, oh wait, oh wait, I hate it because this is the thing that's making me grow the most. Like I'm actually growing the most because of how difficult it is, um, not just physically, but I was noticing mentally, uh, you know, like you can do weights and strength training and plyometrics and do like all these different movements, which can be challenging. But there's, there was an aspect that was familiar in those areas. But when I did yoga, that was completely unfamiliar because it was just you're flowing, you're breathing, you're kind of like really one with the moment, one with your body. And I found just, I began to like really fall in love with it. And then I started to go to yoga studios afterwards where I'm just like, oh, let's see, because it's the same video. So it just kind of gets repetitive, right? Which is still challenging, but I was just like, okay, let's see what these classes are like in other places. And then I found a studio that was near me where I was living at the time. And I just was obsessed because now it's hot yoga and there's a whole bunch of people around (laughs) and every teacher does something different and there's music and like i just found i just got super addicted but the i think the real the real turning point in terms of when i found like really fell in love with it and this and this was a couple of months before i even did my yoga teacher training where i felt compelled to do it was um like i was at the worst point in my life I just closed down my company that I had been working on and been building for years. And I was just in the shitter. I was just destroyed. Um, And my life was in shambles. I was like in debt and I was spending all this money and I didn't know who I was anymore. And I felt like a complete failure. 
and the only thing that I did was yoga every day. That was the only thing that I did to feel like I was escaping. Um, so that escape would last for an hour and then I'd be back in my normal life. But one day after a couple of weeks of doing this, I practiced and I was just like brought to tears, like in the middle of class. And I just felt my whole body, um, just be overcome with joy, which was a, like, I was just like, why do I feel so grateful? Why do I feel so joyful? Like I feel so empowered right now, even though my circumstances didn't even change. And so that distinction changed the, my whole path. Like that has, like that was like the seed of the path that I'm in right now. Um, it just helped me distinguish, oh, I'm apart from my circumstances. I'm apart from my situation. And no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, I have the power to come from joy. I have the choice to come from gratitude like, and experience it right now. Um, and then that's what I decided. I decided that moving forward, that was like in 2012, moving forward, I'm just like, everything that I do, everything that I am is going to come from this experience, like this experience. That's what I'm going for. Like now in this moment, not waiting for tomorrow to feel happy or feel successful or feel joyful or whatever, or feel satisfied. Satisfied is where I fucking live. Like satisfied <laughs> is where I come from right now. Like tomorrow, I don't know if tomorrow is going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be here, but to today I can come from it. And that's kind of, um, that led me on the journey of like, okay, well, what do I want to do next? I, that's when I began uh, thinking about how I want to reinvent myself. That's what led into doing coaching, building my coaching practice, and then going into yoga teacher training. And um, it, it was all around of, you know, if I can reinvent myself and reimagine my experience of, my, of living for myself, then yoga is a tool that I can do that for other people. Uh, coaching is a tool in which I can do that for other people as well. How that's long a long answer. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> How long after that experience did you wait to do your yoga teacher training? Um, I think that was around the, I think that was around April. So, and I started my teacher training I think in October so of not 2012. That long? Yeah. Did so you what, do the coaching before? Long. I started coaching. Um, so it's 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 interesting because like I started coaching before I knew that that's what I was doing. Um, I was in real estate and I just put it out there that I want to teach people about how I was doing what I was doing. And then I took on a student who I essentially mentored and coached and helped him get his company started. And that was my first, first experience. Like if I didn't have this man who is like literally the same age as me, if I didn't have him, um, plant that seed like a year before all this happened, where he gave me the opportunity to teach him and he just trusted me. If I didn't experience that, I don't know if I would have ended up coaching at all because that was just like, oh, wow, this is great. This is very fulfilling. This is satisfying. But then when I closed down my company, I wasn't even thinking about that at all. I didn't remember that I had experienced that because I was just in my shit. I was just in the darkness. But, you know, as I was kind of like finding my feet again on the ground, I started to like become clear again. I'm like, oh, what, what are the things that really bring me joy? What are the things that really light me up? And um, what inspires me? And, you know, that was kind of an, an idea. It was like a little bit of an idea of, I wonder if I can help other people transform their lives too, if I've done it with myself. And, um, but yeah, literally it was on the same day. I said, on the same day, I'm taking my, my teacher training and I'm starting a coaching practice. It was on the same day. 
So how did you know he's going to be successful if you were just going under? Oh, this was a year before all oh, that. Okay. That was a year. <laughs> yeah, that happened the year before. We were doing okay. really well. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know he was going to be. But like to your point, like I, yeah. I didn't know he was going to be successful. I just uh, maybe I was young enough where I didn't even think. Like it didn't even didn't even cross my mind that he was going to be a failure. I just I was just like, well, if you do what I say, then you know you trust me. I think you're going to be successful anyways. I just never thought, I never thought in that, yeah. in that perspective at that time. Do you still talk with the person? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He was my, yeah, he was, he's, a he's your great, first. Great, yeah, he's my first. <laughs> he's my first. That's awesome. Yeah. And what about you? What made you fall in love with it? Besides boat pose. <laughs> Yoga. Oi. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it's the emotional part, like knowing my first class I went and I just teared up and I didn't understand why. I didn't know. I went, teared up, and I'm like, okay, this was weird. Left, did it again, and I was just hooked. It was so hard, but it was like very rewarding, and you were able to finally be in a room where you're not allowed to talk, and talking is like my specialty. <laughs> it was like, yeah. You finally knew that there's more than just what comes out of your mouth. There's mm-hmm. the language of the body that you can express yourself with without having to open your mouth. So that was really interesting. Who thought that a workout would bring you <laughs> to tears, eh? It's more than a workout. I know. That's, what, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, it's more than physical. Yeah. And it's more more than just a workout. So it was awesome. So, I, like, I, I want to ask you a couple more questions before we close off. That's mm-hmm. okay. Um, and, and I just think this is, it's really important. Because, I mean, I'm a man, so I have mm-hmm. no idea what it's like to be a woman. And what the challenges are for women in terms of, um, you know, like look be, feeling attractive looking attractive um also pursuing career and also uh being you know being a mom and having kids and having all these expectations i don't really know what that's that's like you know um and i think that like you you being a woman you probably you working with a lot of different kinds of women in different stages of their lives i think it offers you a unique perspective but i would love to i would love to know what what are you observing out there what are you noticing about um, the challenges that women face and um, in, in what ways are they o- overcoming it? What tools are and what resources are they using to kind of overcome and break through some of these, some of these challenges? Um, so as a mom, I can't speak cause I don't have kids. Yes. Um, I can speak in third party, I guess. Um, I find for, as a entrepreneur for a lot of things, um, you don't as a female, a lot of the times you're told, oh, it's so easy for you because you have the looks. Um, just let the guys take you out for dinner. Let them do this. Let them do that. And you're like, you know what? That's actually not how it works. <laughs> it's actually cute for you to offer me dinner and stuff, but I can pay for myself. Thank you. And it's not something that I need. If you want to go out and talk about business, yeah, let's do that. But that doesn't mean I want a free dinner and something's going to happen after the fact, which is a lot presumed by men Mm -hmm. unfortunately and that's just a fact as a female that we do encounter and um, as a mom it is a little bit harder because they're just told hey you have a husband let him take care of you but uh, sometimes it doesn't end up working out we're in a day and age where people do go apart and what are you going to do you're going to be a mom of three and then not have any food that's not really something sustainable so like sometimes having an open mind and realizing that we do work hard and we don't just sit on at home and do laundry and we actually work hard and we learn new things and we do things to promote the children to get 
educated as well and we're learning things that we wouldn't even do in the future like hey i'm gonna take a guitar class because my daughter likes guitar but like i have no idea what this is and i'm 35 and i'm learning this new skill because i love what i've given birth to like i think a lot of women need more respect and they should be seen more than just hey she's sitting at home and i'll take her out for dinner and that's it At least that's my perspective from the female aspect. Not saying that all men are like that at all, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. And what about like in in the entrepreneurial world? What do you see like for women? Um, Now it's getting better, especially in the holistic field. A lot of females are out there. We have a lot of voice. But I had a couple friends where like they are in the fitness field and they're like, hey, I'll pay you over PayPal if you send me xyz and and it's just like no actually i'm here to give nutritional advice and i'm actually here to teach you how to work out i'm not here to send you random objects that i have like that's not what we're out there for or even if you think that i'm going to sign a contract just to get photos and that's all we're going to have like no there's more than just i'm going to you need to pay for the services that we provide. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm going to take a photo shoot just so I have something and that's it. Like, I think we're worth more if you're giving the men an opportunity to do a job and you're paying them. Why not give us the same kind of benefit of the doubt? Mm-hmm. What, what do you think has been leading to, because I know you, you have like an influx of people coming to you, mm-hmm. like clients, and they're coming from all over the place. They're online, and you have a really strong following mm-hmm. um, online. Like, what do you think it's been that that mm-hmm. has set you apart so that people are paying attention and, 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 the, and they're getting value from what it is that you're doing? What do you think uh, it was that kind of has people resonate with you? Or what do you think it is? Sorry. I think it's that I am very open in a sense that like if I do go out, if it's a party or if it is me just traveling around the world or if it's me being with my family or friends, I share that. It's not just, hey, I'm the healthiest person. Like I'm allowed to have a tequila shot or a Caesar. Like I'm human. I go out with my friends. I do stay out late sometimes. I do have fast food sometimes. It's not just that I'm this perfect picture. It's that there's so much more. And if I have knowledge about a certain thing and you ask me about it, yeah, I'll jump on social media and share it with everyone. Mm. Why just share it with the one person when maybe somebody else has a question, but they don't have the courage to ask. So I'll just throw it out there. And if you have more questions, you're more than welcome to ask. If not, that's fine. And I'll just post away and talk about my vitamins and minerals and just take it as is. Mm -hmm. I... You know, as you're talking about that, I have this kind of idea <laughs> that I've been sitting with and um, I, I find that when we idealize people, we dehumanize them. Yes. And when we go on social media and we look at them, it's like, oh, this person's perfect. Oh, this person, like they always eat right and they're always sleeping at the right time. They wake mm-hmm. up really early and they're always working hard and their life is a straight line <laughs> and everything is great. You know, and we idealize them. We dehumanize them. Like we yeah. kind of take away their humanity. I don't know. Do you resonate with that? Or wh- what are your thoughts on, on that idea? I do get that a lot. Like that people think all I do is like go to bed at <laughs> nine o'clock and wake up at like six and then all I eat is salads for the day. But actually, no, that's not what happens. <laughs> Um, I, I also wouldn't want that just because there's so much 
time and space for error that like I would love to learn from failures and the way you grow is by failing I do believe and you fail mm-hmm. together and grow together so if everything would be perfect how am I supposed to learn new things yeah that's part of the like the joy yeah. of living is like making mistakes and then getting getting back up yeah yeah and then learning from it like uh, Will Smith says fail faster <laughs> do you read books I love books yeah what's what's the most uh, important book that you've recommended more sorry the, the book that you've recommended the most recently Ooh, that's a rough one just one just one yeah can I say two okay. <laughs> just for you you can say okay two. I'll do um, The Power of Now mm. 100% and then by Eckhart um, Tolle yes and The Brain Barrel Effect from Dr. Stephen Cabral Rain barrel effect. effect. I've never heard of that book. It's basically he sees us as a rain barrel, and then the amount of toxins that goes into our body, the emotional baggage, oh. the food that we eat, and then when we have that one trigger and disease happens, it wasn't actually that one trigger. It was everything cumulatively that just reacts now by that one trigger. Wow. What has been the most important thing that you've said no to in the last twelve months? Mm. continuing the relationship I had for six and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. What about the most important thing you've said yes to? Making sure my family's in my life, even though I moved away. Mm-hmm. What's the most important question that you've asked yourself in the last 12 months? Um, I kind of have that from Sean Stevenson. Is if there's one thing in the world that I would do and I can see myself doing every day, what is it? And that's helping others instead of myself. How about you? <laughs> the most important question I've asked recently. Yeah. <clears throat> I asked myself so many questions and then now <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. What would you say you're here to do? I'm here to... help people realize that what they're looking for is already here that they have the power right like under any circumstances under any situation you have the power to experience joy and power and transform your life like now is it like this is it that's kind of what my what my message is for people because the biggest challenge that I find, you know, the people that I work with are all high achievers, they're all workaholics, and they're great at what they do, but they've lost who they are. Um, they're always chasing what's next, but they bankrupt the present moment. They, mm-hmm. they invalidate the present moment. And when they get the thing that they've been trying to achieve, because they're so trained and conditioned in bankrupting the present moment, once it's in the present moment, it's, it's not enough. It's never going to be enough. Um, so it's more about like having people realize that. And that's part of like why yoga is so important and mindfulness is so important. And meditation is so important is because I feel like we can get a, we can get a glimpse into the abundance and the beauty and the truth and the love that's already here right now. Like the perfection of this, everything that is right at this moment. So that's what I would say. 
That's what I'm here for. But in terms of the question <laughs> that I've been asking, that I've asked, the most important ask, question I've asked myself, I think it's why um, the, the thing that comes up for me is like, why not now? Like, why not now? I guess it lines up with what I'm saying. It's fear. Hmm? Fear. I would say it's fear for most people. For the answer? Yeah. Yeah. Because what if you do it now? What else is there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the thing that you're afraid of? What's your biggest fear? Nothing really with the world. I would just say heights in the dark. <laughs> heights and <laughs> the dark. <laughs> It doesn't okay. really have to do with my field, but yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I think my biggest fear is regret. Is About? Just having regrets. That you didn't accomplish something or you didn't do something? That I didn't give of myself, that I didn't say what I needed to say, that I didn't, that I left, that I left yeah, I think I think my biggest regret would be that I that I left the world not having shared what I'm here to share. Do you currently have any regrets? I see the probably the most important regret is that I didn't move away when I was when I was ready to move away to go to university and I got sucked into being comfortable and, and safe. And uh I think that's an important part of my experience in my journey of what and it helped shape me but also um i i felt it like as a boy turning into a man at 17 18 years old i felt that i was ready to go and just become my own person and i didn't why didn't you you? i I got coddled there's temptation um there was a girl at the time um that I was planning on breaking up with once I went away because I didn't want to have a long distance relationship, but I ended up staying with her. Um, I was enticed to go stay in, stay in Mississauga and go to university and still live at home because of financial reasons. Um, I was enticed with a job opportunity that paid me a lot of money uh, working in a car factory with my uncle. So it was just like, it, w- it would have been a very fortunate position to be in. And it was, you know, I was 18 years old and I was making $35 an hour as a kid, mm-hmm. like as a boy, you know? So um, those are k- kind of the reasons. But if it wasn't for those experiences, I don't think I would have been on this. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I would be. But there's a lot of things that I noticed during those three years of university and working at that factory that I saw. I, I saw exactly what I didn't want for myself. And it had me... Um, kind of put me in a corner where I had to find out for myself, like, what is it do I want? Like, what is possible for me? Because there was no one living a life that I wanted to replicate, like at university or at that factory where people were making a ton of money or just anyone that I was around. There was no one who was just like, oh, yeah, I want to live that life. Nothing. And I found it in books. I found people who were entrepreneurs, who are investors, who are creating their own businesses, who are expressing themselves in very unique ways and, um, my only examples at that time were in books, but like, I think if it wasn't for the pain of, of where I was, maybe I wouldn't have turned to, uh, self-educating and kind mm-hmm. of like becoming like having this thirst or maybe just be, just becoming aware of the fact that I had this huge thirst for knowledge. Who would you say was your biggest influencer at that time or now 
at the time when you're reading all those books that made you have that pivotal moment? There's a, there's a combination of them. I think Eckhart Tolle played a huge role. Reading The Power of Now was massive. But I'd say maybe the biggest one was Tony Robbins. Like Did you reading go to his, uh, seminars? Yeah, reading his books um, and then <clears throat> taking his court, like his, his audio courses, mm-hmm. Personal Power 2, I think it was. And um, there was just something about like his energy and his level of insight and how much access he had to so many different ways of expressing an, an idea or a strategy or a mindset or whatever it was. Then I'm just like, oh my God, like my brain was just <laughs> exploding. I felt like every minute that I spent with him, uh, whether, whether I was reading it from him or his books or in his, his program, um, I just, I felt like I was being awake, just more and more and more awake to what was possible in, in life. And um, yeah, I would say that was, that was huge. There's so many along the way, but definitely that was monumental. Have you read his recent book, Unshakable? Unshakable, no. I re- I think I, I listened to Money Master the Game, mm-hmm. uh, but Unshakable, I haven't read it yet. I've only gone through the first two chapters. Really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might get that on audiobook. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what is something? Cr- what is something that you believe that other people think is crazy? Um, being able to pick up and do whatever you want. Um, I find a lot, a lot of people have excuses for that mm-hmm. as some are sitting across the table. <laughs> I'm joking. Excuse um, me? <laughs> just like pick up everything you have because you only have one life. Objects that you can buy for like furniture or whatever you have at home, you can purchase at any point in time. So the mm. only thing you have is your body. If you can take that wherever you want to be, I'm not saying you have to leave your whole family, like take four or five, six weeks off and just travel to the place that you've always wanted to be. And if the loved ones are there, once you return, you know they love you like with their full body and it doesn't really matter where you go. They will always be there. Just like you should be accepting them for if they want to travel and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think love is really powerful. What's something that is easy for you, but everyone else around you thinks is absolutely challenging or impossible? I guess besides moving around yeah. like that, yeah. Mm, I think it's once I set my head to something, I follow through, and it doesn't really matter what it is. Mm. I don't know if that's really something hard. Well, other people can do it too, but yeah. But some people yeah. do, yeah. Some people do think that that's that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I just have this idea, like, and I can make that happen. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's impossible. No, I think that is a huge one. Yeah, I think once you put the intentions out, it manifests if you believe in it truly. Mm-hmm. What's the most? What's the biggest thing you're grateful for today? I would say for all my like family and friends that everyone's healthy, and that they're all there where I am today, and they support me and I support them. Mm-hmm. That we're all together. Where can we find you? Uh, my social media on Instagram is Beyond Physicality. I have a webpage as well, Beyond Physicality. And on Facebook, it's Iris Salihagic. <laughs> awesome. And what would you say is one thing that we should take action on based on what we talked about today? I would say the thing you said, don't wait till tomorrow for today to happen. Like do everything you think that you want today and don't wait for another day because you don't know if you have that day. 
Mm. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for being so open <laughs> for for sharing with us. Um, I mean, you like there's so many more things that we could talk about. Like, mm. like you're doing da- you're dancing, you're doing <laughs> acro yoga, you're like you're in a new you're in a new part of the country. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many things that we could talk about. But like, I'm so glad that, that like you uh, made the time with you know to be here with me, especially when like you're coming here for just a sh- few short days. So. I appreciate you coming on to the show. Thank you for having me, especially because you know I'm flying tomorrow for making the time for me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And maybe we could do yoga together next time. If it's not Easter. (laughs) I know. I know, right? All right, Iris. Thank you. Hey, guys, before you take off, just want to give another huge thank you to Iris for coming on to the show, sharing her story, her wisdom, and her insights. Be sure to follow her over on Instagram. You could find her at iris.paradise. You could find her new podcast that she's just released. She has a few episodes out now. You can find her podcast called Iris Paradise Podcast. And you can find more information about the work that she does on irisparadise.me. Again, guys, I really, really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you got any cool insights that you want to share, you feel compelled to post on social media, make sure to tag us both. Uh, I make sure to look at every single thing that I'm tagged on and make sure that I can uh, reply and respond to them. So at at iris.paradise and at Oliver Manalise. And um, again, I I appreciate your support. If you feel inspired to do so, feel free to write a five-star review over on iTunes. That way we can get a little bit more exposure for these incredible guests, the incredible content that uh, we're producing here. And um, that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next time.